Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome, everyone, to uh, our vodcast here on Eurosport. I'm Matt, and I'm so happy to be joined by... Boris Becker, everybody knows Patrick Moratoglou, um, one of the uh, most famous coaches, uh, has his own tennis academy, of course, coaching Serena Williams now. The topic today is coaching on court. Um, at the moment, it's not allowed. Um, so the first question is, is going to be, and no one's on trial here, just so you know. There's nothing like this. Oh. Okay, good. Oh. The penalty... When something like what happened at the U.S. Open, uh, when you got caught coaching and Serena, get, do we think the penalty is correct when the player gets or should the coach be? Because I think yours was an emotional thing rather than Serena asking for it, if I'm correct. Patrick, you can go first, please. Sure. So first of all, it's authorized for women on tour. Yes. Uh, it's not authorized on the ATP at all. But the WTA more than authorizes, uh, gives the opportunity to the players to take their coach on the court once per set during all the tournaments all year. Only in the Grand Slams, it's not allowed. Yep. So I think this was needed to be Important, said. Yeah, so you're right that uh, it was, I don't know if it was emotional, but clearly she was, she was a bit lost during that match. And I felt like I had to do what I could to help. For sure. And uh, and it's not allowed, but on the other side, uh, it's tolerated yeah. because uh, the coaches are doing it sure. at, at the matches at every almost every day. Uh, we all know that. And uh, if it's not too obvious, uh, the the chair umpire lets it happen. And if it becomes too obvious, in general, it tells the player, please tell your coach to slow down because I don't want to. Otherwise, I will have to warn you. Mm. So to answer your question. It's a very difficult question. How can you give a warning to a coach as he doesn't risk anything? Uh, but maybe that should be the case. I don't know. It's it's a very uh, more than that. I I think first of all, it should be consistent. Mm. Like if the rule is the rule, then it should the, all the chair umpires should behave the same when this happens. Yeah. Th I think that's the number one thing to say. Absolutely. And uh, and if it's tolerated, then. It's difficult for the coaches to know if they shouldn't do it or not because the other ones are doing it. And if you don't do it with your player, you feel your player has a disadvantage yep. compared to the other ones. So I didn't exactly answer the question, but that's my first feeling. Of course, there's not going to be questions that are easy to answer 
Boris, what, what's your take? You coached Novak Djokovic yeah. for a few years, um, and I'm not going to ask you if there was coaching going on, but but what last do you game, think? <laughs> no, I I you know coached the Davis Cup team, and yep. I'm, I I coached the top German players today. What do other sports do? When a coach is caught misbehaving or coaching in basketball or in football, he gets kicked out. I think this should be considered in tennis. Mm. But you have to apply the rules correctly and strictly all the time. It cannot be that for one player is this and for the other player is that. Mm -hmm. Now, I think coaching in tennis is underrated. The coach should be a much, has a much more prolific and important role. I, I applaud that on the women's tour, coaches are allowed at each set to come to the court because the quality of tennis improves. Mm -hmm. Now the top players obviously disagree because they have an advantage because of that. I think the quality of tennis in general would get better for everybody if there's more coaching involved and if the coaches have a more important role. So on the WTA tour, um, does Serena ask you to come down on the court? So that's a very good question and I'm happy to answer this question. She does not, but that's a decision we took together. Yeah. And at the start, she wanted me to do it. Okay. She asked me, would you do it if I ask you? And I said, I don't think it's a good idea. And I explained her why. I think her one of her main qualities is to figure out how to win. And she's been able to do that all her career without me or without anyone entering the court. And I, th I feel like this would have made her a bit weaker. Uh, if she would feel at some point that she would need me. Mm. You know, when someone has a, such a big strength, you shouldn't touch it. I don't want her to start to think that maybe she needs me to figure out how to win as she, all her career, find a way to turn matches around. And I think, I think that's one of her biggest assets. Yeah. So, I, so when I explained that to her, she said, oh, you're right, let's keep it like this. And I think that's, that was a good idea for her. I don't think it's a good idea for everyone, but for her, I think it's the right choice. What do you think somebody like Caroline Wozniacki, Boris, who, who has, in general, has her father come down? Uh, Simona Halep, we've seen and heard Darren Cahill been uh, very, very clear, very vocal when he was coaching Simona Halep. And then what, what happens in the Grand Slam? What, why has Simona Halep done so well on tour and not great in Grand Slam? And Caroline Wozniacki, does it have anything to do with... Well, if I'm doing badly on the WTA tour, I feel I have this safety net. Is, that, is it that simple? I think it's very much related. There's a reason Simona Halep only won, considering her quality, only one Grand Slam, and Wozniacki only winning one Grand Slam. And, and on, the, on the regular tour, they're winning more tournaments than that. And, and there's a relationship to it. It's a tricky situation because uh, if help is needed, it should be given. So the consistency, I, I, I question, why is the WTA in a different rule than um, the, uh, the majors? You know, that, that shouldn't happen. But that's the principal question in tennis because some of the rules in the Grand Slams are different than on the regular tour. But coaching in particular, as I said before, I think it should be allowed as well on the WTA tour. Mm. If we allow coaching, what should it look like? I mean, are we happy with the coach coming on? Now you're fit and healthy, young man, Patrick. So Thank no you. problem for you. <laughs> but should the coach come on court or should they, like you say, maybe be able to signal from the player's box and then maybe in the changeover, this is my idea, changeover, the player has a choice to not sit down but go over and maybe stand and then they can have a chat about it. What, what should it look like, do you think? 
Uh, that's the, your proposition is the one that the Grand Slams adopted for the qualifications, uh, the U.S. Open. Uh, the, the, the U.S. Open is the first Grand Slam that decided to do that. So that's exactly what's happening. Mm -hmm. So the players can choose not to sit down and stay close to the coach and, and chat with him at the changeover. Uh, my favorite... Is that too often, every changeover? Is that too often or it doesn't matter? Anytime they want. Okay. Anytime they want. But in your eyes? No. No, I mean, I no. think I think my favorite is the Davis Cup format. The 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 coach is part of the show, um, is sitting on the chair, uh, on the bench, and he can chat or not because they don't. You don't always have to chat with your player when you feel he's in a good uh, space and mm. he's doing the right thing. Don't maybe don't let him the way he is, but. Uh, I think it's great to have this, and it, it's great. All, Boris said, and I think he's right. It's improved the quality of the game in general, but also I think it's great for the people who are watching TV because they get insights. They they, they listen to to the exchange. There is a, there is emotional things. There is tactical things. I think it helps also the people understand the game better. Mm -hmm. It helps the players understand the game better because when we coach someone and they do practice match, we're very happy to be during the match to be able to talk to the player and explain. Look. In this situation, you did this. Why don't this would this would have been better? That's also a learning process. So I think everybody would gain from that: the players, but also the the spectators. Mm. Again, we should look at other sports. Uh, uh, you know, the coach is important for any player, whether an individual or it's a team sport. The coach matters. The the role of the coach would improve if it's more in the spotlight. And I agree with you, Patrick, that he should be part of the show because he's anyway part of the show. And when we can debate for years to come, did you single or not single? And maybe you didn't single. Maybe you single to your wife. I mean, you know, it's it's impossible to judge if a coach is part of the show, sits like in Davis Cup on the chair. End of argument. Mm. It would add to the fascination of tennis. It improve the, the quality of the game and people get more insights of what the player coach relationship is like because some relationships they're silent they don't mm. say much sure sure I so I'm gonna for once I'm gonna state my opinion then I'm just gonna uh, relate it to school where you have a great teacher um, and the teacher is really good and sets up the students and it's up to the student to go home and do the homework and then the day that we have the test the teacher is not in the room or not allowed to say anything and some kids test really good because they're calm and some t kids get really nervous, and they know that they know that they know everything. They've done their homework, but they can't test because they don't get the help that they get normally. So, I, I'm I'm thinking um, um, that uh, the player loses out if they don't get to solve the problem. The problem we have with coaching on the bench, maybe you can say this: the language, because sometimes you're like, oh, I'd love to hear what. Dominika Sibulkova's coach has to say she's kind of going a little bit crazy. There's a lot of players, Nick Curious in a way, but, but you, you don't understand the language with certain players. Obviously, that's I a technical question. I agree, but I think there should be only one language, right. which is English. Uh, I know it's difficult for some people, but I think your professional coach on tour, I mean, you have to speak English, sorry, but that's, that's the basics. And the player, of course. And the players, of course. Uh, and I think you have to think about the fact that tennis is an entertainment. We have to entertain the, pe the people who are watching TV, and, uh, and, if you, and I think they should understand. And even if they don't speak English, at least the commentators speak English, and they can explain, and they can also uh, talk about the exchange, they can give their, their input. I think it's, again, is great it's growing the game 
and uh, Boris talked about also the emotional, the relationship between the player and the coach, and you have also very emotional exchanges, and I think it's great too, because first, it's fun. Second, you get to know the players better, and I think it's very important. When you watch tennis, if you root for someone of, or if you root against someone, you have emotions and you get so much more into the game. Yeah. We are tennis lovers and, and fanatics, all of us. Um, so we, tennis in itself is enough for us. Mm. But most of the people, they're not tennis specialists. And it's a, it's a complicated sport. If we want to have, especially the new generation, start to be interested in our sport, we have to give a bit more than just the sport in itself. And I think coaching mm. on the court would add. That's not the only thing, but it's a start. Mm. Explaining the game with the coach there is basically yeah, I mean, the topic. We, we obviously, you have to go with the times. You know, we have to keep on staying relevant with the young audience. You know, my 19-year-old my has an attention span of 15 seconds. That's it. So <laughs> Mine it, seven. Okay, so, so you got to give him something to be excited about. If we stay with same old, same old all the time, we're going to lose the younger audience. Mm -hmm. Now, um, they're doctoring around with changes of the rules to set until four, a faster game. I think that's not the solution because uh, the, 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 the viewer needs to see something different. Already we, with Hawkeye, we have a big improvement. Already with the type of, of, of you know, camera and, and, and television quality is an improvement. And if we have more spectacle, including a coach, I mean, I'd love to see conversations between Patrick and Serena, honestly, mm, because sure. I think we will all learn something about you and, and your player. So are so many other players as well. I mean, imagine today um, Nick Curios with a good, experienced coach. He would definitely play better tennis. So, so there are so many examples of why a coach would add to the quality of the game and the spectacle of tennis as such. How about the old-fashioned statement of um, tennis is like a lesson in life, where you're on there, you're out on your own, you might be in a bar trying to get a conversation going with somebody who you find interesting, for example. Um, you might be going for a job interview. Uh, you might be sitting there working by yourself. You're solving problems on your own. Does that get lost a little bit when you have a coach trying to help? I mean, is it, is it not more interesting to imagine what a player is thinking when they're losing it? I think... Or get it back. I, I, don't, I don't believe in that. I think in life we're not alone. Mm -hmm. I think we all have people around us. We have friends, we have family. Uh, we have people who work with us. W if you work in a company... Um, I think it's uh, life is a team teamwork. I don't mm. think it's. I don't think we should we're, be a teamwork. I think it should be, and we're a good example. I think. Uh, I mean, at Eurosport, people have. I mean, help help out each other and feel like a team. And I think it's very difficult with these two, but well, I make it work. You know, I really try. Thank you. <laughs> uh, so I, I I don't believe in that. And again, uh, nobody becomes great by by himself. That does not exist in anything, and in tennis, of course, not. Mm. The question is, should, should the coach be visible or not? And I think it's also fair to the coaches because what Boris did with, uh, with, uh, with Novak was unbelievable. He brought no Novak to, to a different level. I think what Magnus Norman did with, uh, with Stan Wawrinka was also... I, I don't think those guys would have had the same career without their coach. Sure. They, they deserve most of the credit, the players, for sure, but or even Lando with, uh, with Andy Murray. Do you think Andy Murray would have had the same career without Lando? I don't think so. So we will never know. But we see that there is a big, big, big impact of the coach, not all the time, but of the career of some players. Mm. I think it's also fair to them to give them the opportunity to show 
what they bring to the players. Mm. So I think, again, <coughs> it's a fair thing. And there is a reason why all the other sports have decided to, to legalize, I don't, I don't like the word, <laughs> uh, to legalize coaching. And more than that, to show the coaches, to show their work, and to have the coaches be part of the show mm. in boxing, in, in any other discipline, whether it's team or, or not. Mats, uh, I think we think alike. I'm a traditional conservative. But in order to stay relevant with my own kids, they're my biggest teachers. In order to stay on the ball with my 25-year-old and 19-year-old, I got to speak their language. I got to have sometimes their attention span. And, and uh, talking you know, about coaching again, I think you know, this is a, a television sport. It's an entertainment sport. Uh, you know, my, my youngest child is very good on the iPad. You know, it's just technology is part of the world we live in. Mm. You know, we, we, when we have 15,000 people watching on Center Court, half of it is probably younger. And, and so we got to, we have music in, in, the, in the sidelines. You know, there's, there's interesting commercials nowadays on Rod Laver. That didn't happen many years ago. So everything goes with the times. Uh, and that's important. Otherwise, tennis will be left alone, will mm. be left behind. And, and um, you know, life isn't a, 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 a single sport. You know, even if when, when these students go back home, they have their mother and father hopefully helping with the homework. And, and uh, yes, there are situations when you're all by yourself, but they're very difficult. Mm. Why, why shouldn't we make it easier for, for the young? Well, most of the tennis players are still kids. Mm. They're teenagers. They, they, they don't know what to do sometimes by themselves. So they need help from, from um, elders. Yeah. Yesterday we had uh, a very uh, uh, interesting match. Well, interesting. It became interesting. Novak Djokovic played Denis Shapovalov. Of course, Denis Shapovalov, a young Canadian, is left-handed. Uh, and we did a study um, on Novak Djokovic playing against left-handers. He's beaten the left-handers. The last 18 matches in Grand Slam, he's beaten the left-handers. The last time he lost to a left-hander was Nadal five years ago. So he's played the Nadal. French Open, the French there. Open. So he's learned how to play left-handers. And we, l we looked at how he played them. And you would think with a left-hander, you would try and and separate going to the backhand. He actually went about 50% of his shots went to the left-hander's backhand and 50% of the shots went to the left-hander's forehand. Now, if you play Nadal, who's got the best forehand in the game, let's say for the sake of the argument, why would you do that, right? Now, that was on average. We looked a little closer at 30 all points against left-handers. He is back to the old-fashioned 80% to the backhand and only 20% to the forehand. Okay, so the question is, if you're sitting in the changeover, there are points obviously out there, and I think it's important for people to understand, where you cannot coach because it's a feeling. And I am worried about that feeling. Co uh, playing tennis, you can't just be logically tactical. It, it's a sensitivity. It's, it's I feel like he's going to go against the system and serve to my strength on a very big point. So just to sort of clarify uh, how important it is for the player to still understand tactics and play with a gut feeling rather than statistics. Yeah, thank you for that question because I think it gives me the opportunity to explain more about coaching. Coaching is not about telling the guy what he should do. Otherwise, you should play. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it's helping the guys get the bet best out of themselves. I would never, sometimes, if my player would do something that is, I think, wrong, I would make him feel this is wrong because when you do that, look, you're in trouble. But m it's 
the idea is to bring the player through a learning experience where he grows. That's what I'm doing. Uh, during a match, of course, sometimes you might say something that is technical or tactical because you feel like maybe there is too much emotion sometimes, so the player is not lucid, he doesn't see the, the, the things the way they are, but most of the time you make him feel confident, you make him feel good, you, make him f you help him build up his game to be able to play the best tennis he can some it, sometimes it's most of the time it's very mental when you when you're during a match you have to you talk with your player so it's not a, a coach is not a teacher like telling him okay you have to do this you have to do that mm. same you're not telling your t your player oh you have to work hard i mean of course he knows he has to work hard the question is how should you interact with him to give him the, the, the strengths, to give him the belief, to give him all the things he needs in order to do every day what he needs to do and get what he wants at the end. So this having the coach on court would also be an uh, occasion to show the people what coaching is about and that we're not teachers at school telling them you have to do this and this and that. It's much more than that. It's really it's really a connection between two people with one that knows the other one so well that he knows which button he should press at what moment to help the, the person give the best and and in a way use his full potential we all have potential mm. the players have they don't have the same potential but the point is a good coach i think is happy when he feels that his player has used all his potential whatever it is coaching is complicated it has so many layers and so many facets. It's tactical, it's physical, it's mental. Which part is more important is debatable. Then you coach an 18-year-old is different than a 25-year-old or a 31-year-old. Djokovic at 31 is different than a 21 or a 25. Um, a good player usually doesn't listen because you know he's very stubborn. He's very convinced of his own quality. And You're you talking can't about yourself, Boris? For example, and you can't <laughs> take this away. But if you give him the arguments and with the signs of today that we can prove if he says I felt my phone was pretty good and I said well you did 38 unfolds around the foot but it didn't feel like it today you have technology say yes you're wrong player so that's why we're in 2019 so um, you know Djokovic didn't believe and really starting with the Nadal example that in order for his with his style and his backhand to break down Nadal's game you got to go via the forehand most players would go that suicidal but because of the quality of the back and cross of Djokovic he was able to open up the court to get to the back end that's with most lefties for example but you have to have a back end like Djokovic if you have a back end like me you can't do that <laughs> so it depends a little bit on the player yeah and and that's what you said it's complicated every player has a different quality and you want to bring the best quality out of this player mm. that's sometimes mental that's sometimes physical and that's sometimes tactical I mean, we were on to the level of coaching, the qualifications, because I feel there's a lot of players out there that are held back because they're coached by, and a parent would be too easy to say and too generic an answer, but let's say, for example, a parent who the player has a lot of trust in, parent is able to bring out the emotional part, and obviously when we watch Rafa Nadal, Uncle Tony was very emotional and very trusting to Rafa and I think with Carlos Moya and Francisco Roche there's a we see a different Rafa should the qualifications be you should be able to hit a tennis ball over the net you should be able to play a little bit to be on the PGA tour in golf to be a PGA professional coach you actually have to be able to play the game and I feel like there's it's the qualifications on the coach the resume of the coach has to be really really looked at because we're holding back a lot of players and they're too intimidated 
or maybe afraid or they just don't know any better or don't want to change are stuck in a situation where they could really blossom if they had a, a coach like yourself or like you that has qualifications? Well, it's an it's a, it's a important question. Um, first of all, I feel like the players should be able to choose their coach uh, and we shouldn't impose that type of coach so because he, he played, okay? Uh, what about Richard Williams? Mm-hmm. You shouldn't well, coach? I'm not saying that. No, no, no. I'm not, yeah, I know, exactly. I, yeah. I, I thought uh, against you. I'm just yeah, saying yeah. what you bring uh, as a question brings that question. Mm. Shall uh, Richard Williams be authorized to coach? I think what he did, nobody ever did in the history of, of the tennis and probably uh, maybe in the history of sports, have two kids and bring them both of them to number one in the world. That's unbelievable. And I think, because I know him, I think that he's an unbelievable coach. Of course, he doesn't. he's not a tennis specialist, but I think as maybe Tony, I'm not saying he's, he's not a tennis specialist, but I think his main quality, I think the thing that he's really incredible at is building a kid uh, his mentality mm-hmm. and I think the mentality of Rafa made him who he is it's not technical actually you don't teach a forehand like Rafa's forehand of course not he, 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 he built it probably himself uh, naturally but his mentality made him who he is so as Boris just said coaching is complicated it's not only technical only tactical but it's 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 a bit of everything and more than that it's the right thing at the right time mm. I would say so Richard Williams was completely about the mentality he told me actually my and I, his story i think is very interesting he said he's thinking that a tennis match decision is made on a few points which is true because you have a few break points on one side on the other one and if you make them or don't make them it makes the difference at the end mm. right sure we all know we all know those points <laughs> and the players also know so when those point, points are there in front of them the emotion goes very high and his theory is that the most confident of the two will less struggle with the emotion because he's more confident, he will be better, and he'll, he'll deal better with the big points and he'll win at the end. Mm-hmm. So his whole point was to build two very, uh, um, I would say, uh, two players that are very confident in themselves, two people who are confident, people, and yes. whatever they would do in life, they would succeed. Yeah. And I think that's very interesting, but this you, maybe he doesn't play tennis, but he, he thought a lot about the game, and he thought a lot about the psychology, and I think that meeting the game and the psychology made his theory that is very interesting. Mm. So I think that, again, the players should be smart enough to choose the right people for them, and a, a career is also being able to choose the right people. If yeah. they don't, and they don't make the success they could because they don't sh- choose the right people, that's their, f- their problem. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm going to interject before you. They, yeah. uh, they are the exception to the rule. So what I'm, what I'm coming from is those are the success stories that we see is the Maria Sharapova, the Williams sisters, of course. Now, we know that it, to be a tennis professional, there's only one in, I don't even know how many, one in 10,000 kids that play tennis. What about all those, other, what about all those other stories, all those other failed stories where the parents have been too involved and the kid is a mess because of it? And I've heard kids say they go to, go to tennis academies and they actually don't enjoy the game at all anymore because they were coached all the time. They were five hours on court and tennis to them was just something they did for two years, but they actually don't like the game. So again... The other side of the coin is that yeah. the failures that we don't get to see because they're at back home yeah. uh, and they hate tennis. Well, the, the story of uh, the Williams sisters is unique and can never be duplicated. The story of Roger Federer and Rafael Nadal is unique, will never be duplicated. 
most stories don't end like that. Tennis has become a huge business, a multi-million dollar business for successful families. I've seen on the man's side and on the women's side, you know, fathers and mothers quit their job to become agents, coaches, travel companions to their child, hoping the child would, uh, would buy, you know, pay, pay back whatever the parents have invested. I mean, imagine the pressure on an 18-year-old and a 19-year-old. In most normal cases, when they are strong enough mentally, they will break from the family, and the family is ruined because the father and mother have given up their job. So that is the majority of the cases. Um, you know, we're all fathers, right? So it's very hard to let go of your child because you want best, because you think you know best. But there are, there are situations like tennis where, you know, most parents don't know best because they don't have any qualification. You know, they don't have a successful tennis academy. They don't have a successful tennis career. So naturally, they don't know like a professional coach. So you have to trust somebody to give the hands of your child to somebody else. A very difficult decision, but... It has to happen because, you know, some of the cases you mentioned, you know, Sharapova, there came a time when she split from her father and went to professional coach. And we have a case of Steffi Graf being born and raised with her father on a tennis court. But at the time, the right time, she went to uh, Mr. Kuntat or Mr. Slosil at the right time. And same thing with Serena. There was a time when she came to you. So there is a time for everything. It's just parents have to always have at first the benefit of their, their children in, in, in their mind and then see which type of professional can can better their children's life mm. guys we're going to go to uh, the last question you guys have been really good on time we didn't have to impose a time penalty for either of you very very nice no more penalty for me please <laughs> <laughs> no i'm sure you've had enough um obviously roger federer and serena williams maybe the two most important people in in tennis ever um as players, obviously, but, but in general, being ambassadors, would we, with coaching, have seen them dominate more or would we have other more faces in tennis because you could have coached somebody to actually beat Serena because you would know what to tell another player? And do we want to change? Do we want to rock the boat because we might have not have Serena and Roger if coaching was allowed? I mean, you have very good questions. Uh, I'll, tr I'll, try to give a, I'll try to give a good answer. Whoever I would have coached, I don't think I would have beaten Serena. <laughs> no chance. Uh, I think Serena Serena, with or without me. I think I helped her take the best out of herself at, uh, at a period of time of her career. But I don't think if I would have coached Sharapova or I don't know whoever else, I would have been able to beat Serena. Mm. Because Serena Serena with again or without the coach we just again are a part of their story at a time where we can make a big difference in their career but uh if serena is the best player of all time or roger is the best player of all time with or without us they would have still be a top top players maybe they would have uh, won less grand slams maybe but still their their qualities would still be there and I mean, if I take the example of Serena, she's uh, when I started to work with her, she had already 13 Grand Slams. So she was already a little bit difficult to beat. Okay. And uh, I mean, I trust my my job and the quality of my work, but I'm trying to be also lucid that I cannot make a player be someone he's not. The players are who they are. Their potential is their potential. And I'm not going to take a player who's three in the world 
and make her become much better than Serena if she doesn't have the, the possibility to become better than Serena. And I don't think anyone can be better than the best Serena. Roger, talk to me about Roger. Yeah. And Rafa and come out, beats Roger. Uh, we were like, no one can beat Roger Federer. And Nadal comes out and spins it high to the backhand. Yeah. Maybe with coaching, Andy Roddick could have done the same yeah, thing. I think the beauty in our sport is that every generation had its superstar. I think it's impossible to think of another Roger Federer or Serena Williams. But especially on the women's side, you had Steffi Graf winning a lot of slams and you had Margaret Court. On the men's side, in a, uh, when Pete Sampras reached 14 slams, it was an impossibility. Anybody would even come close. Now you have three players even better than this. So everything gets better. Uh, I think, I'm going back to the original one, I think coaching improves the quality of mm -hmm. tennis. A superstar will always feel a superstar, but a superstar will find the right coach at the right time. If you weren't good, you wouldn't be working with Serena. If, if Severin Luti and Ivo Lubicic weren't good, Roger wouldn't be working with them. And, and if, if Tony Natal has much influence he has over Rafa, he wouldn't think Carlos Moy and Francisco Rocha will better his, his nephews you know, perform. He, they wouldn't be coaching. So you got to go with the times. You know? Everything has its moment. Uh, Djokovic won slams before uh, me and he was going to win after me. But at the time, I was the right coach improving his game. End of story. Mm. That's why I don't believe in, in one coach for one player all the time. He goes in football, he goes in tennis, in all sports. Everything has its time, you just got to pick it. You mean I have to stop or what? Yeah. <laughs> you're winning. If, if you're winning, every, everybody is right that's winning. You'll be coaching long after Serena is uh, finished on tour. So, guys, Boris, thank you. Thank you. Well played, Patrick. Thank you very thank much. You very much. And thank you for listening. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.